Hey, welcome into the Arrowhead Attic Podcast Championship Edition. Patrick Allen, Matt Verdram. First time we have done this show since the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. We've both done some some content on the YouTube channel, Verdram, but but not together. In fact, this is the first time you and I have talked extensively, even though we were both in Arizona yep. uh, since the game. So uh, how you how you doing, man? You happy to be home? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to be home. We got about uh, ten days left before I go to the combine. Maybe. Less now, nine, I don't know, whatever. I have a week and a half. Yeah, happy to be home. It is snowing outside, which means uh, my ass is going to have to go out and shovel a bunch of snow soon. But uh, these things happen. Uh, yeah. It's okay. I'm excited to be home, but I I really enjoyed the hell out of Arizona. It's raining down here, so it must be a little bit colder up north. I hope we don't get snow. Keep the rain coming. Getting seven inches of snow. So, <laughs> so um, absolutely an incredible week, man. I know the 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 viewers and the listeners caught a lot of what we were doing on Radio Row, interviewing Tony Gonzalez and Joe Montana and Tony Richardson. And I got to say, man, it was just such a cherry on top when the Chiefs won that game. Uh, you know, like it was a really great week and working with Special Olympics and you, know, you did a lot of work with Malcolm. And, um, yep. you know, as I was sitting there at halftime feeling a little grim, I didn't count them out because I've learned my lesson with Mahomes. But um, I, I was like, man, this this sucks. This would really be nice for them to win. And boy, they pulled it out for us. There's been a parade, everything. I guess we should just start. Uh, well, first, well, let's, uh, let's, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, the Kansas City Beer Company, Casey Beer Co. You guys rocked and rolled for us all year. They sold out of the Arrow Red Lager six packs twice. Twice. I don't know if they're going to issue any more. I don't know if they've got any left, but you need to head down to the beer hall and check it out. Arrow Red Lager, our beer for the Arrowhead Attic Podcast that we brewed with them back in December. That's right, a red beer for the Red Kingdom. And what better way to celebrate a Super Bowl victory than with a KC beer? Uh, even if you can't get Arrow Red Lager, go for the Dunkel, um, go for the go for all the other great varieties that they have down there. Uh, you won't be disappointed. At them on Twitter, at KC Beer Co. Yep. You heard about their beer on this podcast and dare to beer different. All right, Verderam. So I guess let's start at the top, man. So <clears throat> Super Bowl Sunday, you're there at the stadium. What was it like? Kind of give us the, you know, give us your uh, your reaction. I mean, you know, there were definitely more Eagles fans than Chiefs fans. I'd say it was probably two to one. It was weird because every Super Bowl I've ever covered, I've been in the auxiliary press box, which for people who aren't aware of that, that's inside the stadium. Yeah. You know, there's so many people that cover the Super Bowl. They can't fit them all in just a regular press box. And then they basically build like a separate outdoor press box in the stands, which is actually just great. I actually really enjoy it because you can hear all the fans. Right. This Super Bowl, for the first time, we were jammed into a tent outside the stadium with all the TVs, which was in some ways actually kind of nice. Like you could just get up if you wanted to get something and come back and you had the TVs, you had the sound or anything else. We're right outside the stadium. We had full access after the game. So yeah, went down and talked to a bunch of the players right afterward. But yeah, I mean, walking in there, look, it was packed. It was jammed with the Eagles fans. It definitely felt like a road game for Kansas City. So I, I would say that it had a different feel than the one in Miami three years back. I wasn't at the one in Tampa because of COVID and everything else. They basically didn't credential you unless you were like a beat reporter for the team. And I wasn't going anyway. But Miami was different. Miami was like a home game for the Chiefs. So it was a different feel for sure. But, you know, I'll say this, like the Chiefs fans who were there, I mean, you heard them throughout the game. It was, it was loud. It was a loud Super Bowl. You know, sometimes you have like this little bit of a corporate feel to them. That game didn't have that. So you knew it was going to be a raucous atmosphere when the Eagles fans were booing Dak Prescott getting the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. Like, you knew something was going to get rolling, and it certainly did. 
Boy, Eagles fans are something special, aren't they? Why do you think there were more Eagles fans there? Now, I, there's obviously there's some population well, things, yeah, right? Like yeah. it's just, but I mean, San Francisco is a pretty big place, and that's a that's a storied franchise with a lot of fans. Do you think that the San Francisco one? Because I experienced this when I went to the World Series when 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 the Guardians then the Indians made the World Series and they played the Cubs, right? And I I went to a game in Cleveland. And there were a ton of Cubs fans there. Uh, do you think part of it had to do with like they just they hadn't the Chiefs hadn't been in a in a Super Bowl yeah. for so long and and so people really came out for it. It had been fifty years, so I think you know that is a driving force. Like now they go all the time. Like I think people are like, oh, I don't, you know, I I can't keep spending all this money, right? Like I, I think that's a huge part of it. I really do. I mean, I, I think you know it's it's hard. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. You want to go sit in the upper deck of a Super Bowl? It's five grand for the ticket. Now you got to factor an airfare and any kind of food you're going to have, any kind of stuff. I mean, you're you're probably if you're there for four days, you're probably legit easily. When you factor in the price hiking of the hotels, you're probably looking at seven grand minimum, like yeah. minimum. And that and that's if you're fortunate. I mean, any factor in you know if you got to take a if you got to get transportation, you don't live in Arizona, you got to take a plane. You're probably honestly looking at around somewhere around eight thousand dollars. So that's a lot of money. I don't care who you are. Like you're gonna lay out some, and you know a lot of people they don't go by themselves. They go with their, you know, they go with their kid, they go with their buddy, they you know they go with their wife or their or their husbands. Like it's a lot, it's a lot of money. So I think because Chiefs fans were just there three years ago, a lot of them probably were like, "Hey, I just saw them win. Like I'll sit this one out." And let's be honest, too, Glendale. And and I, by the way, I'll say it, Phoenix was great. Phoenix was an awesome place to have a, a, a game. But from a fan's perspective, from a touristy perspective, I think you'd probably rather go to Miami. So I think all those things kind of factor in. Yeah, I think so. And and look, you know, Eagles fans are they're 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 insane, but they're 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 fiercely loyal to their team. Um, you know, big yeah. metro area. So yep. they wanted to get down there for the game and, and and props to them. We know Chiefs Kingdom travels well. Uh you saw the people out at the parade. So, you know, heading into the week, you and I we interviewed so many people. And at first at first I noticed the trend of like analysts were going to Eagles and players were going Chiefs, but then the more people we talked to, it, it got more and more fifty fifty. And everybody thought it was going to be a really close game. And, you know, I know you and I thought we didn't think the Chiefs were going to get blown out, but we did see a situation where it was possible the Chiefs could have blown the Eagles out. Turned out everybody was pretty much right, except for the fact that more people were picking the Eagles than than the Chiefs. Um, yeah. It was a close game. It was a, I, I dare say, a classic game. I mean, when you score that many points in a Super Bowl, uh, you, you know, you're, it's going to be an entertaining game. Um, and it wasn't a blowout before we get into some of the specifics of the game. What did you just think of the game as a whole? Like, where does it line up for you in, in all time Super Bowls? And of course, like chiefs Super Bowls. Well, all time Super Bowls. I think it's fair to say it's a top 10 Super Bowl. Is it more than that? It depends, I guess, on your perspective. I mean, there was a turnover in the game, you know, like the Bills Giants game, Super Bowl 25, there were no turnovers in that game. Now, like that Seahawks Patriots game, I could argue that that ended on the biggest blunder I've ever seen in a Super Bowl, right? I mean, but the game itself was awesome. You could talk about, like, a lot of people love the Steelers-Cardinals game, Super Bowl 43. There's a part of me that's like, yeah. There's another part of me that's like, that Cardinals team, like, how many guys could you name off that team? You know, like, to me, part of the greatness of Super Bowls is the greatness of the teams involved. The Cardinals team went 9-7. and seven. Like, they're fine. They never, ever approached getting back to the Super Bowl either before or after. I do think it matters that these two teams are the two best teams in football. First and second team all-pro quarterbacks. Hurts played awesome football outside of one big mistake. Fair enough. Uh, Mahomes was incredible in the game. 
It's top 10. Now, as far as the Super Bowls with the Chiefs, I mean, look, it's better than the first two Super Bowls they were in, either they won or they lost, because they, they were both blowouts. The Buccaneers game was a blowout night because they lost. It's, it was a terrible game. Uh, was it better than the Niners game? Yeah, I think it was probably better played than the Niners game. I think of all the Chiefs Super Bowls, it's probably the best one. Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Yeah, like the, the 49ers Super Bowl was not enjoyable. Like for, for a couple of different reasons. I mean, like as a fan. Sheer panic. It, yeah, I, like you know, I was in, I was just in, in, in horror the entire time. Yes, and then yes. it wasn't going well for the Chiefs. It, it, to that point, it was you know until the fourth quarter, it was the worst game I had seen Mahomes play as a Chief. He was the nerves I think were getting to him. The 49ers were very good on defense. He made some mistakes, and so and then you got Jimmy Garoppolo on the other side. So it wasn't exactly a shootout. Then it got exciting if you're a Chiefs fan. The last seven minutes, but was still nerve wracking. So uh, I didn't enjoy that game. I enjoyed this game a lot because. Even though I was worried that they were going to lose, particularly at the at the end of the half, there where things were looking a little bleak, they, they looked outmatched uh, for a little bit there. They did. You know, they came back and they scored that touchdown after the half, and then you're kind of like, "All right, we're in this. This one's going down to the wire." And so, you know, I felt like they had a chance to win the whole time, and so that made it fun and enjoyable. And of course, other than that turnover. Uh, it was a pretty clean game. I mean, these guys played well. It wasn't a sloppy game with a bunch of, you know, uh, bad plays and turnovers. And, you know, I, he's not getting a ton of credit for it because because Hurts just dropped the ball. But credit Nick Bolton. He was part of causing that fumble. I know he didn't directly cause it, but him being where he was caused Jalen Hurts to, to, shift, to try to shift the ball away from him. And he dropped it. And then... Got all-time bounce for the Chiefs, man. I mean, that ball, he could have had to go yeah, down right to get goal. that. It bounced right up at the right right in stride. The man never – also impressive that he 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 came at – he could have tackled Hurts, which a lot of guys do in that situation because they know they got guys behind him. And so, well, if I take him down, I take him out of the play for recovering the ball. Right. And he was really smart. And he stayed on his feet and managed to actually kind of help cause the fumble and recover it. Oh. So, I think a, a few things. Um, Bolton was the best player on the field defensively for either team. Yeah. He was awesome. Like, even regardless of his touchdown, he was just incredible in the game. 
Um, I thought there were two sequences that changed that whole game. And both of them ironically had the Chiefs defense on the field. One was people will forget the play. And actually, it's an odd play that happened prior to Bolton recovering that fumble and running in for a touchdown. The Eagles had a third and one. And for all the world, they're just going to sneak the ball over and pick up a first down. It's 14-7 at that point, second quarter. The Eagles are rolling. Like, it feels almost inevitable that they're going to score more points, three, seven, whatever, but they're going to score. Isaac Samalu jumps and gets called for a five-yard false start penalty. It takes him to third and six. Now they run that quarterback draw. Bolton is in the lane. Hertz goes to shift. He fumbles the ball, picked up, scoop and score touch there. That penalty might have well been a 14-point swing. Yeah. Second half of the game, and I have receipts on this because I tweeted out at halftime, if the Chiefs score coming out of halftime, might be game on here. Like they, this might be, and if they don't, it might be curtains. Well, they scored. I thought the key in the second half, the biggest single play in the second half of that game, other than the the penalty, it was a twenty four to twenty one. The Eagles had a seventeen play drive, and they didn't score a touchdown. And who made the tackle on third down on Gainwell? Nick Bolton. Yeah, and forced the Eagles. It was too far. It was fourth, I believe, in six. Forced them to have to kick. They only go up six. When that happened, I thought the Chiefs were going to win the game. Because I just felt like the Eagles were not going to stop them the rest of the way. Chiefs get the touchdown, three and out. Big punt return, another touchdown. Away they go. But I thought the two biggest sequences, both involved the Chiefs defense, both involved Nick Bolton. He's been a great pickup for them uh, and won a moment. Um, if he if he gets that other fumble return for a touchdown, he's the MVP and not Mahomes. Um, I, I got to say, man, and I talked about this on the postgame show, which I don't know if you happen to catch that, had me featured me jumping in a pool and floating around in an inflatable flamingo. Um, I took my computer outside, and once once the audience saw that I had a pool behind me, you just kind of knew what was going to happen. Um, but uh, I one thing that I said about this Super Bowl is I really felt – that this was Brett Veach's Super Bowl more than and, and, than anything. When you look at the guys who contributed to this Super Bowl, all the rookies in the secondary, Bolton and Gay, him bringing back the decision to bring back Frank Clark, you know, and to restructure that, um, drafting Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round, even though he had, you know, lesser GM would have been stubborn about CEH, right? And I'm not going to admit a mistake here, and this is going to work. You know, all there's so many things that he did to set this team up for this on a on a retooling year. I just think it's absolutely incredible. And I think if you're a Chiefs fan and you're thinking, of, obviously, it, you know, in New England, right? It was always is Brady and Belichick. And I think when you think about the Chiefs now and this sort of you know budding dynasty that they have, it's got to be Mahomes and Reed and Veach, and those three come together. Well, I mean, hell, I mean, Veach is about one more Super Bowl away from being a the Hall of Fame himself. Realistically, yeah. like, yeah, he wins another one. He's, he's probably in the Hall of Fame. He's what forty four, I think he is forty two. I don't want to age the man. <laughs> um, Mahomes at this point, if he never played another down, is a top five quarterback ever, and that's not like. Anybody who watches the show all the time knows my love of history. And like, I don't get into all the hyperbole with that stuff. Like I, 
The only quarterbacks, in my opinion, who you could just is definitively above him right now are Brady, Montana, and John Unitas. Those three. That's it. Peyton Manning's arguable. You want to argue that? Like, Manning has five MVPs. They both have won two Super Bowls. But frankly, like, Manning had a lot of regrettable performances in the playoffs. Mahomes doesn't. Yeah. So, depends on what you value. Okay? Um, I would probably put Peyton Manning ahead of him right now just because Manning had such an unbelievable career. Like, I think sometimes we're in a rush to just crown everybody constantly. Like, why isn't he number one? What makes it special to get that high on the list is how long it takes to do it. Right. With Andy, the only coaches I look at right now with Andy Reid, and I'm like, that guy's definitively ahead of him. Vince Lombardi, Paul Brown, who essentially created the modern game. Belichick. You know, and by the way, before people are like, well, Brady, Brady. I mean, to be fair, Reed didn't win anything before Mahomes either. So fair is fair. Um, I think after those three, I would put Bill Walsh ahead still. I mean, he went to three Super Bowls, won them all, like created an entire scheme of offense. Um, what about Shula? I think it's arguable with Shula. Like, you, look, I know Shula coached forever. I get it. I think Andy Reid's a better coach than Don Shula, frankly. Um, Andy's more innovative offensively. Like, Don Shula won two Super Bowls back-to-back and didn't win another one, and he coached for, like, another 30 years. Yeah. And he had some damn good quarterbacks. It wasn't like Shula was, you know, I mean, he had Unitas. He had Marino. He had Bob Greasy. Like, he had like Don Shula. Not too many guys had better runs than him over the course of his career. Um yeah, now George Hallis is interesting because Hallis coached for literally like forty some odd years, but a lot of those years are like the twenties and thirties. Like it's a, it's a, it's just like I can't compare a Model T to a Corvette. It's right. just different. Like yeah. they're different. It's the same reason I won't throw in the quarterback thing, like Sammy Baugh and Sid Luckman. Like Sammy Baugh literally created the modern position for quarterbacks, but like he threw the ball like eight times a game. I like I don't know. I don't think it's fair to compare them. But, yeah, I think at this point, Andy's in that class of, like, Chuck Knoll, Tom Landry, guys like that, which is crazy. Like, Tom Landry's one of the greatest coaches to ever walk on a football field. So, um, and then Veach, I'm not quite prepared to do, like, GM all-time power rankings. But he's won two. He's gone to three. Like, you're starting to get into that, like, Ernie Corsi. George Young, um, Bobby Bethard, Ron Wolf class. Like, and, and by the way, those guys are like, Hall of Famers. Like, it, you start getting into that pantheon of like, he's all he does is win. So, those guys are climbing the ranks big time. Where do you place, just really quickly, just I'm curious, where do you place Ozzie Newsome in those mm-hmm. GM ranks? High, very high. Yeah. Like, he's a Hall of Fame player and he probably should be a Hall of Fame GM. He was yeah. great, Jim. You can call. He's, I mean, people can mock it all they want. Like Belichick for the first fifteen years of his time in New England, he's probably a Hall of Fame GM. He built those teams. Yeah. Um. By the way, one other coach I didn't throw in there, but Andy, like Bill Parcells, you know, like yeah. you're starting to get to that. I mean, Bill Parcells won two. He went to three. Um. Listen, the Chiefs have some guys, and of course, there's Kelsey, who I, I think genuinely is the greatest tight end I've ever seen. So. You have a lot of guys on that that team and that building who you look at him and you're like, that guy's not just great. That guy is like Mount Rushmore great. 
or yeah. damn close to it. So, um, you know, it's not a bad combination to have if you're the Chiefs. And all of those guys, of course, are back. And they're already Super Bowl favorites in some places, like pretty substantially in Vegas. So uh, if, you're, if you're the Chiefs, you're feeling pretty good. I have what Andy's done for two franchises, I think, is, is, insane. is, is what's really just incredible. To go to that team, what, the Chiefs won two, two games the year before he got there, and, and they haven't had a losing season, and they missed the playoffs one time, and they've won two Super Bowls, been the three. Yeah. It, you know, so he, he got his muse and Mahomes. This is – he's had some, some good quarterbacks, you know, obviously McNabb and, and some other good players. This Patrick Mahomes is the guy that Andy Reid's been waiting his whole career for. Right, like these two have been on a collision course, and the only thing that's a damn shame is that Andy Reid's sixty-five and Patrick Mahomes is twenty-seven. I mean, could you imagine if Andy, forty-year-old Andy Reid, obviously he's learned things, but forty-year-old Andy Reid with twenty-seven-year-old Patrick Mahomes? They're gonna, they're gonna need Andy to, they're gonna need Andy to hang out till he's like seventy-five. Yeah, I, I don't know that Andy's quite got that in him, but uh, <laughs> might need to make it work. Although I'll tell you that you know you'll get the parade and uh, you know Matt Nagy was partying like he's twenty-five, so maybe yeah. uh, yeah, he, he's looking to stick around for a while, and then you, you got I, I don't even know which player had it. I just saw it in one of the shots, but you know, if you're familiar, uh, if you're familiar with Price is Right, there's a, a game called Plinko and you drop these little like discs down this, this pegboard essentially. And it goes down you get a, get a numerical value for how much money you win. It's great. It's classic game. Some cheese player up there, I believe it's cheese player, um, had a board just like that, but it was called Drinko. <laughs> and I've never been proud of the franchise. Yeah. Like, yeah. You got Kelsey with his Bud Light necklace. It's probably worth more than my house. Yeah. And then Mahomes, in any picture I saw Mahomes in, he was just walking around with Coors Light. Yeah. Like at any point in time, there's pictures of him. Like afterwards, he still got Coors Light. Uh, either either he's the most committed pitch man ever, or the man might need some kind of uh, paramedic help by the end of the evening, or he's, or he's just the greatest drinker of all time. And he's, he's cornered that market as well. I would have had a BAC of about 0. 0.89. I think <laughs> right. by the end of that, yeah. um, but yeah. shout out to Nagy who borderline had to pull Mahomes back over the edge of the bus. Yeah. You see that footage. Like, yeah. so there was that. And then there was Leo Chanel who just jumped on the side of the bus and climbed up it like nothing. Yeah. Um, pretty have- uh, good stuff. You and I have talked about being around like top end professional athletes and how horrible we feel about ourselves. Um, it, it just really humbles you, puts put you in your place. Yeah. Um, just being around them is like a normal human being. But then, like seeing a guy like Leo Chanel do that, like he's yeah, a goddamn like Marvel superhero. You're, you're just like, oh yeah, this guy just walks around like this all the time. Like, what else can he do that like I would I would break my neck trying to do? Right? It's absolutely. That shot of him jumping up the bus, I'm just like, what in God's name? Thank God, too, because I don't think that bus driver knew he was doing that. And the bus started pulling out like shortly thereafter. So I guess we're lucky now, he's uh, he's. I don't off. know how much uh, liquid libation a, a good old Leo had in him, but did it without a care in the world. Like, just did it like I would do a, like one pull up at the gym. Like, was just like, that's fine. And it just, um, nothing, not a problem. Just yeah. scaled this double decker bus like it was a child's play. Like the bus was parked. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. he falls, it could kill him. It's, it's all right, it's fine. Mahomes yeah. is hanging over the side of the bus. You got Kelsey, 
who at some point I'm pretty sure they just started like blanking out every other word on yeah. television because they, they were so nervous of what he was going to say. Yeah. Um. There, there's something. They're uh, they don't hold back. So no. it was. By the way, the, the biggest flex of the entire parade was Brett Veach when he got up to the mic and he's like, "Well, you know, a lot of people said this was a rebuilding year." And he grabbed the Lombardi Trophy and turned around. He's like, "This is what it looks like in Kansas City." Yeah, I mean, jeez. Okay. Yeah, scorched earth, man. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Let's get into some of the like some of the specifics of the game, man. Shout out to all of our members, by the way. I see a bunch of you guys out there. Um, if you guys could hit that like button for us, our guy Doug in Kansas can always count on Doug. He's always out there rallying the troops to hit the like button. Appreciate you, buddy. Um, yeah, let, let, let's get into some of the specifics of the game. So. Interesting box score. You know, if I told you before the game, hey, hey, Verderam, uh, so I'm going to give you a few details about the game. The Eagles are going to score 35. Hertz is going to go 27 to 38 for 304 yards and no touchdown. Oh, would have been good. Yeah. And uh, uh, Devonta Smith is going to have 100 yards. AJ Brown's going to have 96. And Mahomes is going to throw for 182. What would you have thought the score was going to be? Uh, first of all, I would have thought Mahomes got hurt. Yeah. Um, like, really hurt. Second of all, I would have thought they lost by, I don't know, 17 points. Yeah. Um, I would not have been. Uh, I would not have been thrilled getting that uh, getting that report on the box score. But then on the flip side, the Chiefs completely outgained them on the ground. They outrushed them. I think that the yards per rush were like six point one to three point six. Yeah. As uh, Maisie, come here. Yeah. Um, so my my. It's okay. Come here. Um, so I I mean the box score would have scared the hell out of me, but uh, there was other things that were not included. And and here's uh. Here's a number one Chiefs fan. Are you happy the Chiefs won the Super Bowl? Did you watch some of the game? All right. Did you go, Chiefs? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Not right now, you. Um, but uh, there's a – so, <laughs> um, no, man, I thought – I mean, if you told me that box, I would have been like, oh, 35 to 20. Would yeah. not have been happy. Would not yeah. have been – because I really thought going into the game, I thought that Mahomes was going to go nuts. Because I did not think the Eagles were going to get to him. And yet, I didn't even think they'd do that. I mean, I didn't think the Chiefs were going to go out and pitch a shutout. Um, it was – the, the the thing that surprised me the most was Hurts, to be honest with you. Like, I uh, yeah, I just kind of thought he might be a little injured with the shoulder. It, I did not expect him to play the way he did throw on the ball. I give him all the credit in the world. I know he had the fumble. He was the best player on the field in that game, along with Mahomes. I mean, really, he was awesome. He just had one big mistake, and his defense couldn't get off the field to save its life in the second half. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, you know, it was a weird kind of game for the Chiefs for for a few different reasons, not one that we're used to. And I think it, it would have been a blowout if not for Jalen Hurts, because as you predicted, they could like the Chiefs protected Mahomes. They were a brick wall up front. They did a tremendous job. He was they the Chiefs did whatever they wanted offensively, like. That's something that I think, you know, that first half, it got a little bit wonky for the Chiefs because not really because of anything the Chiefs weren't doing well, but because the Eagles were just unstoppable on offense. They just, they had great long clock eating drives. You couldn't stop them on, on third and short. One of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. I've never seen a team that effective, but the Chiefs, they only punted twice in that game. Um, And they had basically a perfect second half. So 
it was just a matter in the first half of, you know, the Chiefs couldn't get the ball. We're losing the time of possession. And then when they got the ball at the end of the first half, right. you know, there was that uh, the false start penalty that backed him up. And then Mahomes hurt his ankle. And, you know, that was it. That was the only the bad part of the game for the Chiefs was that kind of sequence right there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and sorry about that, the viewers. My my daughter wants to bring in like an army of candy, and I had to I had to hold her back. Although, yeah. like maybe I should have let her in. Um, <laughs> no, I, you know what? Um, I thought that for the Chiefs, the o- the only time in the game I really felt like they're in a lot of trouble was when Mahomes got hurt. I mean, that was real. Even like at twenty one fourteen, they weren't playing well. But I was a bit, I'm always a big believer in if you have a team that's as good as the Chiefs and they're playing as poorly as they are, especially on defense on, on defense to that point, and they were only down seven with the ball, like that's almost a bigger problem for the team that's winning by seven. Like I, I always feel like at some point that's gonna bite you in the ass. It just is. Like you need to pull away, you know, Chiefs had missed a field goal already to that point. Thought maybe they could have gone for it there, frankly. Um oh, yeah. But when Mahomes got hurt, because that was a double whammy. Not only did he get hurt, they had to punt the ball away. And if the Eagles had got up 28-14, I would have been very concerned. I would have felt like they're now down like three scores, essentially. When they held Philly to three, because they were getting the ball out of half, I really felt like, as long as Mahomes is okay, if they can just go down the field and score to start the second half. And I thought they could because they moved the ball in the first half of the game. They really did. I thought, all right, you know what? Then the pressure's on Philly. Because then even though Philly's got the ball, they're, they're only up three points. The Chiefs have not played particularly well at this point, and it's a one-score game. And the Chiefs have been in a lot of these games. The Eagles have not been. Whether it's a Super Bowl or just a regular season, the Eagles have not been in a lot of close games. I felt like that really was advantageous to the Chiefs. Now, like I said earlier, when the Eagles then went down at 17 play drive, they didn't score a touchdown. I genuinely, at that point, really very strongly felt like this is this is going to be a problem for Philly, big time. Like now it's going to, now it's going to really turn, and and it did in a big way. Yeah, the Chiefs scored uh, two more touchdowns after that, and of course the game-winning field goal. Yep. Um, and they were great in the second half. The Chiefs drives in the second half, ten plays for seventy-five yards, it's in a touchdown. Nine plays, seventy-five yards, touchdown. Uh, three plays and five yards and a touchdown, and then the twelve-play drive for sixty-six yards. Uh, for the game-winning field goal. But let's talk about the second half, and let's talk about Kadarius Toney and that punt return, man. I mean, that's another one where, you know, we see we see Brett Veach make these moves. He's been making them, these types of moves for the last couple of years, whether it be a trade or he picks up a, you know, a veteran guy gets cut, remember Le'Veon Bell. And like a lot of times they don't work out, but they're always, he likes to make these, low risk, high upside, you know, high reward moves. And with Kadarius Tony, it looked like one this year that was kind of like, okay, this guy's making an impact and you could see why anybody would want him. But like, is it going to matter? And I remember, you know, you were hearing when they picked him up, hey, this is a year for, this is a move for next year. Like they weren't expecting a ton from Tony this year. But here he comes in, in the biggest spot. I mean, look, I, I still think the Chiefs win the game if he doesn't get that punt return, because I don't think Philly could stop Kansas City. So, you know, as long as he doesn't fumble the ball there, I think Mahomes takes him down and scores. But as I mentioned on the post game show, 
it worked out. Part of the part of the the rabbit's foot for the Chiefs in this game was a little bit of luck with like just timing, right? The Eagles ran out of time in the first half when they got the ball at the end of the half, and so they had to kick that field goal. Um, and then the Chiefs, the timing just worked out where the Chiefs had the ball and they were able to eat out the clock. So with that Tony return, I think they would have scored, but who knows how the rest of the game plays out with the time difference. Um, and that was all Tony on that play, right? I mean, like, he just juked those guys. Seven Eagles, juked seven Eagles out of their cleats, went all the way across. It was, it was very Dante Hall-esque. When he caught the ball, my heart was in my throat because he caught it at, like, his ankles. I was like, what are you doing? And yep. then he made a move. And it's one of those things you think like three things simultaneously. The second he moved was right. You saw nothing but Chiefs. You know, I go, he's about to have a big return if they don't take a penalty here because there is nothing. I mean, it was just a swinging gate of Chiefs. And then you see Sipots, the punter, and you're like, that's not going to happen. So they better have somebody else back there. And I don't know if you've gone back and watched this. And somebody just said this in the chat. Marcus Kemp on that play. Yeah. Dude blocked three guys. Yeah. But three guys on that play. Fortune got a nice big block, too. Nikki just mentioned it. Yep. Um, look, it was a great run. It was, it was well blocked. You know what's amazing? We rightfully spent the whole season killing their special teams. I mean, they were brutal all year long. They were 32nd in DVOA. They were horrific all year. And other than Butker missing that one field goal off the upright, they were Perfect. They they were absolutely huge returns. They didn't miss any other kicks. I mean, you you couldn't ask for any more. You yeah. could not ask for any more than, than what you got in that game. I mean, the Chiefs, their special teams, not only in that game in the playoffs, were phenomenal. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's a it's a it's a big return. They get to the five yard line. It sets up the touchdown to more. But they, in the end, in the end. They made all the plays that Philly didn't down the stretch. And look, I get it. You know, I, I've everybody and their mothers heard all about this stuff. You know, it was a penalty? Was it not a penalty? And I think a lot of people agree it's a penalty, but like should have been called in that spot. And I, actually, give me twenty seconds here, quick PSA on this, guys. If you're on Twitter, don't waste your time arguing with everybody in the world about this. You, excuse the language, you just won the fucking Super Bowl. Who cares? Who cares if some Texans fans like, you know, really w- ripped away my joy. Tough. Like, I mean, you know what? First of all, and hand to God, I would say this was the other way around. It was a penalty. He held them twice. James Bradbury after the game said, said you know, and by the way, major respect to James Bradbury, yep. who could have just passed the buck like so many guys would have. And, and, and by the way, the Eagles as a whole, the entire team. Terrific. All class. I didn't like that Juju tweet, by the way, nope. on Valentine's Day. Like, come on, man. Like, enough, Eddie. Like, just leave it alone. You know what? They've yeah. been all class, nothing but. I actually liked that A.J. Brown fired back at him. But you know what? It was a penalty, and it should have been called. It should have been called. Like, he held them twice. If that was the Chiefs, you know what? And five years ago, it was the Chiefs. When D. Ford was in the neutral zone, and a lot of Chiefs fans were like, well, it didn't even affect the play. I don't care. He was in the neutral zone. Yeah. If you I mean, don't want to call Don, you then don't be in the neutral zone. Right. Bradbury held him twice. He admitted it himself. Is it a sucky way to end a great game? It is, unless you're a Chiefs fan. It is. It's a, it is. But you know what? If it doesn't get called, 
it affects the game massively yeah, too. People just ignore that part of like, it. Like it also like it's like well you know they shouldn't be deciding the game. Well they don't call it. It decides the game right. in a lot of ways. Like he right. did it. It he is be- what it he, is. You beat him. He was beat. That's he why he held him. He was right. The Chiefs had been smoking them on that same type of route all day long. And I saw uh, a guy, I think it was Keyshawn Johnson who pointed this out okay. um, that not a lot of people have been talking about. It. He's like, he's like, I think the flag should have been called because I know what happened on that play. He's like, I know what Juju was trying to do. And he wasn't trying to go up the field. He was going toward the sideline. Mahomes was going to hit him and he was going to try to get that extra four yards and get that first down. But instead his his route got altered by the hold. And so Juju had to turn and try to go upfield right there because he wasn't going to be able to separate. Okay. Wouldn't have thought right? of that. And that's, and that's what he was saying. It, it was another similar, that route that had been working for them all day long. And you can see it. He's got, he's got the leverage. He's got him beat. He's going to be able to go to the sideline and he changes, yeah. he changes his route and he goes up. So the minute that he, the minute that he grabbed his Jersey, it was a penalty. And then he and then he grabbed him again and put his hand on his chest. Yeah. Like, come and, on, man. Like, but I just, I guess my overall point is like, look, man. Chiefs fans, I, so many people I follow are just going back and forth with all these. Like, look, guy, it doesn't matter. You won the Super Bowl. Like, and I, I don't like this here and tell you what to do. You want to scream at trolls and, and people all day long. Fine, but like, enjoy the Super Bowl. Don't spend like your time when you should be basking in the glow of this. Yeah. Arguing with you know Johnny eight four five seven eight on Twitter, who's like, I took five screenshots. I know Mark Schlereth was like, well, you know, there was also hands in the face by Orlando Brown. You know what? No, there wasn't because didn't call it. And that gets and that happens forty times. You know what? As a Chiefs fan, you could easily be like, well, you know what? The second drive, excuse me, third drive of the game for the Chiefs, Smith Schuster got tackled on third down on a play that I think everybody agrees should have been pass interference. It wasn't. Yeah. That's the way it goes. Maybe if that gets called, maybe she's scoring that drive and the game's totally different. You know, right. it's like my point is, look, the the right team won the game. I was talking with Aaron Schatz, who I've become friends with, who runs football outsiders. And this was on Monday after the game. We were both waiting for a flight. We were hanging out. And he was like, our numbers said that the Chiefs should win that game 98% of the time. And a big part of the reasoning was, the Eagles got to a third or fourth down that they went on 20 times in the game. The Chiefs got the third down eight times. They didn't even need third down. And if you go look at their second uh, half chart, I could be wrong. I'm not looking at it right. I think they hit four third downs, not not including that um, like kneel down where McKinnon could have walked in. Like three of them were third and ones. Right. So, yeah, look, the Chiefs outplayed the Eagles. If, if the Eagles want to bitch about anything, it, when, to be fair, none of the players or coaches have, but the fans have. If you want to complain about anything, complain about the fact that Jonathan Gannon did nothing in the entire second half and the Chiefs schemed the daylights out of him. That yeah. might be the underplayed story of all this. I thought that was the best half of coaching in Andy Reid's career. It was unbelievable. It was yeah. like he knew yeah. what they were calling every play, and I think basically he did. What the Chiefs did in the second half on offense was just was brilliant, and it was the stuff of champions. Yeah, I was chatting with uh, with Jason Reed over at ESPN, who yeah. we had on the show, um, and uh, he, you know, he said they lost the game because they couldn't get they the best defensive line in football couldn't get a single sack Good in the game, it. and that you can't let two wide receivers walk into the end zone uncovered. Like the Chiefs, just they just outclassed the Eagles, like. 
And this is what we talked about heading into the game was, okay, maybe they've got top to bottom a little bit better of a roster, but the Chiefs have a lot of things going for them with their coaching staff, with their experience. Steve Spagnuolo and Andy Reid, um, the fact that they, a lot of their players or some of their players had been in this, this kind of spot before, and I think it made, it made the difference. You know, and, and when you get to the Super Bowl and you're going up against another good team, it's a razor's edge. And those were the things yeah. for the Chiefs that pushed them ahead. Yeah. I mean, Eric, by the way, Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy was the one. Saturday night, they said, he put that on the, on the film, that that play. I mean, just think about that for a second. The Chiefs were like, at the Super Bowl, they were like, yeah, we're done. We schemed, you know, we're good. We did it last week. And now we're just like, we're doing all this stuff. Which you know that that's bullshit, um, but but you know they they installed the majority of their game plan back in Kansas City. Yep. The fact that he found that Saturday night, and then they ran it and it worked, so they ran it again and they scored two touchdowns off of it. It's just that's like an all time. Like they should they should put a statue of Eric Bieniemy outside, <laughs> if if that was all him finding that play. But you know what. The second half, so I actually did a film Friday that's coming out tomorrow, and I'll, I won't spoil it, but I'll say that I did it on the Sky Moore touchdown. There are so many little things in that play that Chiefs did so well. And I will tell you that the star of that play that nobody paid attention to in real time was Jarek McKinnon. If Jarek McKinnon doesn't do his job there, it, is, it does not end with a touchdown. Because they blitzed him on that, right? It cover zero, all out. They brought yeah. seven guys. Um, because I've seen a lot of people say, well, it's the same play as that Tony play. It really wasn't. The motion was the same, not like whip back off of the, the jet sweep. Yeah. The Eagles were in totally two different two totally different defenses. The the way the Chiefs got them schemed up on that was two totally different ways. Um in real time, I kind of thought it was the same thing, but when you went back and watched, like actually, no, it wasn't. You know, the Eagles were in zone on the first one, they were man in the second. Um God damn, the Chiefs in the second half of that game, like. I can genuinely say I had no fear once they got into the like once they took the lead. I'm like this. This is done. This is done. <laughs> like, yeah. I just didn't think Philly could stop them. My only concern was that they were going to score too quickly on the last drive, Man. and that Philly was going to go down, score, and go for two. Because I would have hundred percent. If I'm Sirianni, as aggressive as he is with Hurts or anything, I would have been like, "Eff it, man. We're ending this game one way or the other right now." Because if I got to go in overtime with him. Forget it. Like, I, I'm not playing that game. And I, you know, McKinnon, I don't know how you felt. When he started running for the pylon, I was like, is he going to score? Like, oh, my God, just go down. And all I could think was, if he scores a touch and they lose this game, it's just the worst gaff in NFL history. Like, yeah. all over, man. Yeah. Uh, and then I was, you know, like, I think most people probably weren't Chiefs fans, didn't even think about this. But Butker's game-winning field goal, what was it, like 26 yards? I mean, it was short. Yeah, that, um, I think they backed up to – they ended up being at the 10 after the kneel down. Okay. Like that. I was so terrified he was going to slip on that paint because the ball yeah. was placed on the paint. Yeah. And I was like, this would be the most Chiefs thing ever. Yeah. Like, he loses his footing and drills it into the line or something. I didn't even look at the ball. Like, I literally looked at his feet. Right. It's all – once he you knew he wasn't going to, he was going to shank yeah, it. Yeah, like I didn't even look. Like normally, I look at the uprights to see if the, where the ball is, and I didn't even look at the uprights. I just looked at his feet because I'm like, if he gets this off clean, this is it. He's not going to miss this. And once I saw his left foot plant, I'm like, oh, we're good. He's going to drill this thing right down the middle. Um, does it look? Let's pivot a little bit here. Does this? Um, 
Does this one mean more to you, less to you, same to you at a Super Bowl 54? You know, I thought about this. Um, the first the first time was a, a relief uh, for sure. But this one, I think, means a little bit more to me as a fan because I think it really cements Patrick and Andy's legacy and this team's legacy. And sure. like, if they had lost it, even though they're doing so many remarkable things, it, you know, hey, man, like, it is what it is. Like, yeah, you made it to all these AFC Championship games and you have won Lombardi to prove it or to, to show for it. And instead, now it's like, there's no argument. It's not a flash in the pan. It's not a fluke thing. It's not a one-hit wonder where, you know, it's not a Buffalo Bills situation where you have a great team and you, right. you, know, you get four Super Bowls and yep. you lose. No matter what happens for the rest of Patrick's career, if he puts up great stats and he never wins another Super Bowl, he's an all-time great. Yes. Right? And, and I, so I wanted that for him and for Andy as a fan. So I think the first one, as great as it was, obviously, I think it was more of like a relief. Yes. Like, yeah. I'm not going to die and not see them win a Super Bowl. <laughs> right. This one, in some ways, I felt was sweeter. They're not a one-hit wonder. They got back there. Their last Super Bowl as, as this group isn't going to be Brady just, you know, winning 31-9. I thought this run, too, was harder for them. Like, even though they actually had a better record than the team that won in 2019, you know, this team went through three top seven quarterbacks to do it. Like, didn't go through Tannehill and Garoppolo. But they went through, they went through guys. Like, they went through Burrow and Lawrence and Hurts. And, like, you know, really, like, I honestly think, take your everybody's hatred out of Cincinnati out of this for a second. That's a great team. The Bengals are really good. And I think we're going to look back at the Bengals and be like, yeah, then that, that team's going to end up probably winning one or two of these. Like, they're really good. That Eagles team, it wouldn't shock me if they won a Super Bowl. I mean, hell, they could have just won one. It's so, like, gratifying. And then on top of that, Mahomes is on one ankle for 11 of the 12 postseason quarters. I think in a weird way, you're going to look back and you're going to remember that AFC Championship game. And you remember the end of that game. And how the defense had to stop them twice. And Mahomes at the very end running in that penalty. I think that's going to be the enduring image along with, you know, the end of the Super Bowl. But, you know, nine, like Chad Henney retires like a couple of weeks after a 98-yard drive when, like, you're like, oh, my God, just get 20 yards and punt the ball. And then they, they go all the way down the field. Yeah. I, to me, this was actually in some ways – it was more rewarding. It was more rewarding because you looked at this – and it wasn't just, hey, a magic bomb to Tyree Kill and Tyron Matthew back there. Like this team did it with a lot of rookies and second year guys and cast off receivers. Like they as great as they are and were, I, I think like this was this was more about the entire team. Whereas yes. the first one may have been more like, hey man, they've got Kelsey and Tyreek and Mahomes and Matthew and like Frank and and Chris Jones, th this was more like everybody's got to be involved. Because if you're, if, we're, if they're not, if everybody's not involved, we're not winning this one. You know, like this to me, th that 2019 team had a better top of the roster. I will always believe this team was a better team. 
Oh, 100%. 100%. And you, you're going to think of so many guys and so many moments when you think about this one. Just from the Super Bowl, I know when we look back at, at 2019 and you know you think of some of the things that Sam did and the comeback and stuff, but like this one, you're going to think of Pacheco. You're, you're going to think of you know, of Watson. You're going to think of uh, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. You're going to think of Eric Bieniemy finding this play. You're going to think of Kadarius Tony. You're going to think of Creed Humphrey just destroying people yeah. out there. Yeah. I mean, I was watching Brian Baldinger, who, by the way, if you guys don't follow Brian on Twitter, he's excellent. He's excellent. Just he does the phone breakdowns all the time. You become a smarter football fan. Yeah, Creed Humphrey was going around just absolutely wrecking people all day long. Um, it was, it was, and of course, Mahomes was Mahomes and, and Kelsey got his touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, but they ran the ball in this game. And that, that we all year we talked about it. Whenever they were going up against a tough opponent, when they could run the ball. Um, and, and in this game, man, it's one of the reasons why, along with some other game script stuff, that Mahomes didn't throw for 300 yards. He didn't need to. They ran for 158 yards in this game. Pacheco averaged 5.1 yards a carry and had a touchdown. McKinnon averaged 8.5, only four carries, but still. Um, and then Mahomes with his 44 yards. Just it was the it was a Andy Reid game as well. Like Andy's their the whole coaching staff, man, the plan they had for this game, the fact that they stuck with the run. I didn't know if they'd do it. Like I just didn't know if they would do it, and they did. Yeah, I, honestly, at halftime, I said to my dad, I'm like, they're not going to run the ball because I haven't run the ball well to this point. And, and, and Pacheco basically went in a witness protection in the second quarter. Man, man just started pounding the ball. And I'll t- Mike at that guy. I, I would not want to have to tackle him. Nope. And I give it, you know, that's one play that's so undersung in this game. And I'll hand it to Chauncey Gardner Johnson. He hit Pacheco about 100 miles an hour in the fourth quarter. On that last drive of the game, and Pacheco held on to it and fumbled the ball. When he got hit, I'm like, oh, he's definitely going to fumble. That ball never even jiggled. It didn't come loose, nothing. He held right on to it, had to leave for a play. But I just – it's a weird adjective to use covering the league. And, and like, but I almost felt like just like proud of them. I mean, it was a game in a playoffs where it wasn't easy. It wasn't just, well, we're just going to hang 28 unanswered on him. Right. You know, we're just going to blow this team out. Like, they had to play complimentary football. They had to they had to take care of the quarterback who was beat up. I mean, that Bengals game, my God, they had six different guys out in that game at one point. Like, Mahomes was limping around. Kelsey, and I'll tell you guys this, that was a real thing with Kelsey. Like, they did not know if he was going to play that game a couple hours prior to the game. You know, they're, they're missing Gay. They're missing Snead. They're missing, they're missing Smith-Schuster. They're missing Tony as that game wore on. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And they still won. Um, and then they play this Eagles team that everybody and their mother is like, well, how the hell are they going to hold up against this pass rush? And what are they going to do? And we haven't even mentioned them. Andrew Wiley in that game. I mean, yeah. my God, man. Do you want to talk about playing a game of your life in that spot? The Eagles did nothing up front. It wasn't even like a game. Sometimes you don't get a sack, but you still really affect the game as a pass rush. They did nothing. There were times in that game I really – like I forgot the Eagles had the front that they had. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't get near them. And, look, I get it. I know the field is bad. Hey, the field is bad for Kansas City too, man. Like I, 
there were a lot of plays Eagles weren't slipping down. They couldn't do anything. Um, it was just all of it. It was everything. It was it was rookie scoring touchdowns. It was Bolton. It was Kelsey and Mahomes, as it always is. It was Andy and his staff. Um, they did everything they had to do. And it was funny. I'll, I'll note this. I was in the post game for both when they won in Miami and then this one. When they beat the Niners, that room afterwards, the, the post-game presser area, it was jubilant. I mean, it was Chris Jones right in front of me. It was like, we're going to win six Super Bowls, seven Super Bowls, you know, and Tyreek's going crazy and Frank Clark's going crazy. And this was a lot different being down there. And I talked to Chris Jones. I talked to Frank Clark and I talked to Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey was emotional. Like he was crying at one point talking about the game. Yeah. Chris Jones wasn't emotional. In fact, Chris Jones laid out the exact drink he was going to have right after the, the press conference was over. <laughs> but he was very introspective. He talked a lot about, man, this meant a lot. And, like, we really – he's like, I'm not going to get into the whole is it a dynasty thing. Like, it's not about that. I just, I'm just i just thankful we won. And I hope we keep the team together. I hope we keep guys like Frank Clark. And then Frank Clark was talking about how, how much it meant to him that they're not just a one-trick pony and, like, he wasn't like being Frank Clark and talking a bunch of crap. He was just really introspective. You could tell with those guys, and all three of those guys, of course, have been there for all three of these Super Bowl appearances. So you could tell how much it meant to them to get back there and to win this time because it wasn't just young and dumb and happy and hey, we, you know, we we did it. It was like, man, this is this that one. I guarantee you, if you asked any of those three guys, this one meant more to them. In fact, Kelsey flat out said that. I guarantee you Jones and Clark would do the same thing based off of how they reacted to those questions. Yeah, it was really it, it was really a hard fought journey for this team. Um, and you could have seen a lot of ways where it could have gone off the rails for them, but it didn't. They hung together, and I think that's a testament to the leadership that they have. Obviously, they've got Patrick Mahomes, but they really all needed to come together. And boy, is the future bright. I mean, what Brett Veach has done to win the Super Bowl this year really sets them up. I was on KCUR in, in Kansas City the morning of the parade, and uh, you know they asked me about the, you know the dynasty question. And I said, no, I don't think they're a dynasty yet. I mean, I they're an AFC West dynasty. They're an AFC dynasty. I think you got to get the three um, to 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 really when when you think of. I think the easiest way to do it is like when you think of dynasty. You think of the Cowboys and you think of the Steelers yep. and you think of the Patriots. I think the Patriots really had two dynasties. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think they need to get one more and like that's fine. Um, but I just think now it sets them up for and it's hard to win that second one, really hard. And I think a lot of teams that win the Super Bowl, they, you know, it's hard to keep a team together, period. I mean, even this team, the, there weren't that many players left on it that won the Super Bowl in 2019. But I think it's really easy to be like, we did it. We're happy, you know, and you kind of relax and you go about your career and guys go off to get paid. Winning winning Lombardi seems to be a little less important to some guys after that. But as long as you have a core and you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, like Patrick Mahomes is playing, he's playing a different game now. He's playing he against ghosts. Right. Yes, exactly. And so he is, just like Brady did, is going to hold whoever comes into that building to play with him to a standard. You Now it's not just oh, yeah. it, the Chiefs oh, yeah. were a cute team that won a Super Bowl in 2019 and they've got a good quarterback. This is, you go play in Kansas City, you better damn well know what you're signing up for. 
the expectation from Mahomes and from the team, but from Mahomes, I think more importantly, is like if you're coming here, you're coming here to help me win another Super Bowl. That's it. And anything less than that is unacceptable. They've now, I mean, the standard with this team is is clear. Yeah. Anything like, look, they, I mean, and I cannot believe as a 34 year old Chiefs fan that I'm saying this. Anything less than them winning the Super Bowl is a complete failure. Yep. I mean, my whole life it was like, God, if they just won a playoff game, that'd be great. <laughs> Getting to the AFC Championship game feels like the start of the season with this team. Yeah. Like you, you don't even wake up until they're until they're in the AFC title game. You know, are they playing? Um, I will say this. This feels like the year upcoming year. They're going to be motivated to the hilt. Because they are going to feel like, I guarantee you, and this starts with Mahomes, we should have repeated a couple of years ago. We got there, but we were beat up. Bucks were the better team. Fair enough. Bucks waxed them. They're going to feel internally, though, like we were the best team that whole season. We beat the Bucks in their building in the regular season. We should have been able to get back there and win it. Injuries didn't play well. Not a good scheme. The whole deal. Whatever. However you want to put it. Mahomes is going to think to himself the way he's wired. The who's the last guy to repeat as champion? Brady. Who am I chasing? Brady. What is the one thing that this team hasn't done? Repeat. That is going to be the thing all year. We need to repeat. We need, and and I think a lot of those guys deep down they tell you like they know if they win that Super Bowl they're a dynasty. That's it. Then they are. Like then yeah. there's no arguing that. You got to go to four Super Bowls in five years, and if they win it, won three of them. Like nobody's arguing at that point that you're not a dynasty. Anybody who is isn't serious, right? So there. <laughs> sometimes you win a Super Bowl and you wonder, like that next year, like is there going to be the motivation? Uh, I think because of their kind of somewhat unique history, there is going to be ample motivation for that team to go back there and do it again. And by the way, they know where the Super Bowl is. It's in Vegas. You don't think they'd love to twist that knife a little bit, sure, and beat and win a Super Bowl on that team on that on that team field where the Raiders were the team, the one team that had the gall to really disrespect the hell out of them a couple of years ago. Like the Chiefs and the Raiders hate each other anyway. For the Chiefs to go and repeat and do it on on their field would be all the better as far as the Chiefs are concerned. Do you worry that? Uh... How do the, how do the Chiefs keep some of these young guys, especially all these rookies who just waltz into the NFL and won a Super Bowl, and just the team in general? Because they're going to bring back most of these guys. It's not going to be a big turnover. Your offensive no, it would be a pretty similar team. Yeah, yeah. Your offensive line solidified. They may bring in some pieces. How do you keep this team from getting? I don't want to say complacent because I don't think that's the right word, but a little bit fool themselves. Like, okay, how do you yeah. keep these rookies focused and be like, hey man, like you know. It, this isn't this isn't the way the NFL is. Like you don't just win a Super Bowl every year. You got to work your ass off. I'll tell you how. Honestly, the, the leaders of the team. That's how. Yeah. Mahomes is not, and, I, and I'm not saying this kid would do. I'm just using him as an example. Mahomes is not going to let Trent McDuffie slide. Like this is just not going to happen. Chris Jones is not going to let these guys slide. Like Kelsey, if Clark's back next year, those guys, they're playing for legacies. They don't want some second-year guy walking around the ring to get in the way of that. Like, I don't think the Chiefs are going to have too – do you think Frank Clark's going to have too big of a problem getting in somebody's face in the locker room? Right. So I I think there's a lot of that. I Again, to your point earlier, the standard – with it's kind of like those years with the Pats. You just – like with them, anything less than them winning the Super Bowl is just a failure. Like, if they got the Super Bowl and lost, it was a waste of a season. Like they didn't – 
How many Chiefs fans do you know who are like, you know, it was a great year, 2020. <laughs> that team won, won every game but one up until the Super Bowl, and nobody cares because they lost the Super Bowl. And so I think for them, there's an expectation with that franchise now. Like, you you in the Super Bowl, if you ever watch Brett Veach do an interview from Zoom, he always does it from his desk in his office. And there's he's got bookcases on either side of him, shelving units on either side of him. Right smack dab in the middle, there's a picture framed. It's of the Lombardi Trophy. It's not of his family. It's not of the team. It's it's of the Lombardi Trophy. Like that's what's in smack dab in the middle of his office. Not a big picture, but it's right there. That's all they care about at this point. And so, no, I think they will they will keep that team focused. Um, the bigger question, really, to me, is I know we're kind of getting toward wrapping up here. Is like, what are they going to do going forward? We got time to talk about it, but it's like they have a dozen draft picks. There's not a dozen guys making this team. No. So, like, do you use some of those picks? Like, like, would they trade for DeAndre Hopkins? Would now not that you need a draft pick for this, but if Keenan Allen gets cut by the Chargers, man, I can't express how signed up I would be to sign Keenan Allen from the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. You could move him anywhere around on the field in, in any formation. He's the best route runner for my money, along with Cooper Cup in the NFL. He, he would be like, this is great. I get to go play for a Super Bowl team, and I get to play the Chargers twice? I mean, to me, oh, my God, man. That would be the perfect, perfect situation for Allen and for the Chiefs. You know what they do? It, I don't know. Maybe Veach looks at it and says, I'm not going to allocate a bunch of resources to my receivers because we have Mahomes and we don't need to do that. And I understand that thought process, too. But, man, I, I, I think like a guy like a Keenan Allen – or DeAndre Hopkins, and Hopkins is, is the better player, although, I, you know, obviously you have to trade for him. You wouldn't have to trade for Keenan Allen. Would be great. And by the way, I saw somebody say about Allen, he's hurt all the time. Allen, since 2017, here are the games played for him. 16, 16, 16, 14, 16, then last year he did miss seven games. It's not, it's not bad. Like, And by the way, in 10 games, it's 752 yards. Like, that guy on the Chiefs with Mahomes and that offense, oh, my God, man. Like, I can see him going for, like, 1,300 yards. He'd be outrageous. So, I'd love to see the Chiefs add him or Hopkins. And they're going to have Kadarius Toney next year. Like, they're they're going to – keep in mind, like, the Chiefs have one of the best medical staffs and training staffs in the NFL. Maybe the best. And Chargers maybe have the worst. So Right. I mean, look at this team again. Very relatively very healthy heading into the Super Bowl. They do a great job. So get a guy like Keenan Allen who's maybe had an injury here or there, and a guy like Kadarius Tony who sends him give him a whole give him a whole offseason to work out a program for those guys to you know to analyze what some of the issues that they have are. You know, Kadarius right. Tony could continue to have hamstring issues for the rest of his career. Some guys are just cursed. It doesn't matter. There's nothing you can do. It's bad luck. But It'll be really interesting to see once they get their hands on them. And also, once Kadarius Tony gets to go through a whole offseason program. Yes. With the Chiefs. He just walked yep. in and picked up the playbook. Like this, and this guy has found a home. It did not work out from him for him in New York. And if you listen to the Chiefs, that anybody who talked about Kadarius Tony, they loved him. Great locker room guy, worked hard, did everything they asked him to do. Um, so imagine what it's going to be like if he reaches his potential in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. You got a first round 
wide receiver for like a third round pick and a late round pick. By the way, don't abandon this, but the mic'd up uh, for Super Bowl 57 just dropped like 50 seconds ago on YouTube. Oh, well, that's how um, I'm in my evening. Yeah. Um, just drunk crying on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, which really, really in our household is just Thursday. Um, <laughs> but in any event, listen, I, I am fascinated to see how they go about this offseason because they have resources. Like, you look at their cap space, you're like, well, they don't have cap space. But they really kind of do because they're going to restructure Mahomes. And Frank Clark's not going to be getting $30 million. And if they extend Chris Jones, that contract number is going down significantly. So there's a lot of ways they can create. I mean, the Chiefs easily could have $50, $60 million in cap if they wanted. The question would be, what do they do with it? And then they have all these picks. But, man, like, they are just – they are loaded. Like they really, and you know, you could always you said about an Super Bowl team, but sometimes, you know, you get to the end of the road at certain guys, whatever, whether it's retirement or it's, or it's free agency. You look at the Chiefs, and because of the way Veach is drafted, I just like, oh my God, man! And I will, I'll leave it on this for me. I thought when they traded Tyreek Hill, we did a live show right as it was happening, and I'll be the first to throw my hand up, man. I was crushing them for that. Like, yep. what are you doing? crush him, crush Veach, the whole deal. I thought they were insane. I thought they should have taken the Jets offer with number 10 overall. I thought that was the better move. I give all the credit in the world to Veach. Like I'm, a, I'm a dumbass. I was wrong. Like they, I, I thought they'd still be very good, and I thought they'd be good offensively, but I thought they would miss something that was irreplaceable to them. And yeah. I don't say this is any denigration of Tyreek Hill because, listen, I don't care what he said in his podcast. Like, he was an all-time chief. Say whatever you want. They didn't miss him, like, at all. That is maybe the greatest compliment to Mahomes and Reed and the rest of that offense. Like, I kept thinking as the playoffs went on, I'm like, this might be the game where it really kind of shows up to don't Tyreek Hill. Never happened. They hung 38 points on Philly on eight possessions. Yeah. I, I, I know one of them defensive, but still, I mean, it was just uh, – do you think it made Mahomes better? I think it did a little. I I think what made Mahomes better was that last year teams forced them to play differently. And he fought it for about half a season. And then he finally just said, all right, enough of this. Fine. We'll play this way. I thought that made him better. What I thought altered his game, though, was with Tyreek being gone – the Chiefs as a whole had to play differently. Like, not just because teams were putting a shell over the offense, but, like, they had to get more guys involved. They had to be more dynamic in terms of um, – actually, not more dynamic, more more uh, distribution heavy. They had to be able to go, okay, we're, we're going to look up at specific matchups, and maybe this is an MVS game. Maybe this is a Juju game. Maybe we're going to get Pacheco more involved here. Maybe we're going to get McKinnon more involved here down the red zone. Kelsey was really the only – one, you know, one constant. We are, every game, it's, it's Kelsey. But they did get to a point where it was like it was Kelsey, it was Hill, and then it was like a massive drop-off to everybody else. I thought, you know, you watch that Super Bowl. Juju has a huge second half. Sky Moore is a touchdown. Tony plays a big role. Pacheco plays a big role. McKinnon, in his own way, always plays a big role. Kelsey, of course, is Kelsey. And you say, well, where was MVS? Well, he was in the AFC Championship game getting him to the Super Bowl. Right? Like, that's why I said what I said earlier. To me, this was the 
greatest team I've ever seen them have. They 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 were more high flying and more dynamic and all that stuff against the Niners in that year. This team was a better collection of fifty three guys. Yeah, where it was like it's not just four of the five dudes at the top of the roster. It's it's everybody. And you saw that in that game against Cincinnati, and you saw it against Philadelphia, too. And one last question for you. I know we got all season to, to talk about this, but Frank Clark, you know, they have to cut him to save the money, right? Um, or restructure it. Or restructure him. Yeah, right. You were talking earlier about how, you know, a lot of these guys on the Chiefs, the older ones in particular, are playing for a legacy. Yeah. Frank Clark is, I think, what, two sacks away from being the all-time – Two and a half. Yep. Two and a half sacks away from being the all-time playoff sack leader. Yep. If he gets another round of of playoffs with the Chiefs, he's got a really good shot to do that. If yes, you're Frank, and, and and everything we know about Frank Clark, he loves Andy Reid. He loves playing in Kansas City. Now yes. everybody wants to everybody wants to get paid. Could you see a situation where Frank Clark drastically restructures his deal to remain with the Chiefs? Or and do you think the Chiefs want him back? I think the Chiefs would would want him back. And here, here's one of the other parts of this, okay? So you look at the cap numbers. And the cap number that's going to get thrown around a lot with Frank Clark, here, here are the actual numbers on this. Next year, as everything stands right now, Mahomes is the highest cap number on the team by a mile. It's 40, 49.2 which somehow is, a, is an underpayment. Um, Clark is second. He's a 28.675. If they cut Frank Clark, they save $21 million even, and they eat, and this is an important number, because everybody goes, oh, $21 million, no problem. They eat 7.675, so seven, essentially 7.7. If you're the Chiefs, and you're paying him 7.7 anyway, does it not make sense to try to maybe give him a deal, like an extension? That you just say, right, look, Clark, yeah, Frank, we're going to give you 3 and 30, and next year and the year after are guaranteed. Right? Like, and it just, it's just, let's even just say the first year is seven, and the second year is like 12, and the third year is 11 or something. Like, if you're the Chiefs, doesn't that make more sense than just cutting the guy? And for all the people who are like, well, then you wouldn't save the money. No. If next year's cap hit is seven, million bucks you still save 23 million bucks like i i I think it makes sense if you're him to say i'll take it because you know the scheme you're on his great team all the rest of it right you don't have to leave he's got young kids and if you're the chiefs you're paying him 7.7 anyway wouldn't you rather just and i was look i'll i was the biggest guy at the beginning of the year being like he's he's not played well in recent years all the rest of it he played, but we all talked about it throughout the whole course of the season. He played really well this year. Yeah. Like if I'm the Chiefs, I'm cool with him making 10 million a year. Like I'm okay with that. And for for this year and next, and then the third's an option. And okay, fine. Maybe you cut him, maybe you don't. But I don't think he's getting more than that anywhere else. I think if you're the Chiefs, I will tell you, after the game, there were more than a few players who were who mentioned him by name as guys they want to see back here. Like they're aware of the situation. So if you're paying him 7.7 anyway, why not just extend it? You know, I, I, that's the route I think they're going to end up taking with this. I think too, if you, if you're able to get him into a situation like a Carlos Dunlap situation, 
situation. Like, say you go and get a young guy in the draft, play opposite of Carl Loftus. If he's right. ready, you can rotate Frank in, who's getting a little older, and and you know his primary thing is the pass rushing anyway. And then you're in that situation where you've got kind of that backup veteran pass rusher, or right, you know, since you're drafting basically at the top of the second round, you know, it's going to be harder for you to get a marquee pass rusher in the draft unless you trade for somebody. So then you can have that same situation where Frank Clark, who was great mentoring George Karloftis, now you can bring in a guy that needs maybe a season or so to get up to speed and to maybe reach his potential, and you still have Frank Clark there helping. Yeah. I think it's going to be very interesting. But I, I, I think it's, I think it makes more sense to extend him on a reasonable deal than it does to cut him. And you're, sta- you're saving money either way. Like right. I, it's not like you're like losing a bunch of money, and, and like then you start looking at their cap situation because all this look, it's not just a one year thing, right? Like Brett Veach is not going to look at this as a one year thing. He's got the cap, you know, with Brant Tillis looking at it for years on end. <laughs> the Chiefs are in a pretty good spot cap wise. Like Mahomes' number next year goes down by five and a half million. You know, the Jones and and is not on the books. They got to figure it out with Chris Jones for twenty twenty four. He's only signed through next season. But after that, like MVS, if they cut him and like they're, they're gonna they're gonna save twelve million bucks in twenty twenty four, like they're not gonna care. If Justin Reed's not working out, they save ten point seven. They've they've got a lot. You know, Kelsey is signed for a while. He's signed through twenty twenty five. But you know, do you maybe even restructure and extend him a year or so? You could. Um, my point is, if you're the Chiefs. You are projected right now to have like 112 million in cap space in 2024, and you already have a lot of the guys signed. Yeah. So they, if I'm the Chiefs, if I'm Veach, and I, I, I think I will leave it at this, I would try to give Frank Clark a reasonable extension, and then my next things would be I have to extend Jones, Sneed, and Gay this offseason. And the biggest thing, oddly, is. I would I would focus on Clark, bring the cap number down. Jones, bring the cap number down, and and Gay because if Sneed goes in as the only big free agent next the following year, you could just tag him. Yeah. But that also includes and you got to get Orlando Brown signed to a long term deal. If I'm the Chiefs, ninety percent of their cap space this year and next, I'm just dedicating to my own guys. And if there's because free agency is awful this year, but there's nobody's even worth talking about for the most part. If I'm the Chiefs, I'm focused on my guys. And then, they go, okay, if Keenan Allen gets cut or if there's a safety you're really like, okay, you got room to make a make a move there. But I'm focused on keeping my core. They've drafted this well. That's what this should be about. Then you're thinking about the following year, Humphrey, Bolton, Smith. Like, you're not going to keep every single one of them, but that's, that's what you got to do here. Yeah, it's uh, Brett Veach has done a good job so far. I know you guys have questions about so many of the other players, as do I. There's the Orlando Brown situation. What do they do there? What about Andrew Wiley, who's who's an average tackle? I think at this point you can say he's average. He is yeah. not bad. Um, so do you just keep him? You know, he knows the system. There's a lot to decide. But listen, guys, we're not going anywhere. We got a we got a lot of shows between now and, and September <laughs> that we got to fill. So um, we we're gonna have plenty of time to go over all these questions with you guys. We don't want to we don't want to uh, you know uh, do it all right now. So um, thank you so much. This has been a great show, actually. It's so great. We, we'll probably still be talking about the Super Bowl for the next couple of weeks. Let's let's really dig into it and and talk about it. We want to hear 
your questions about the Super Bowl, your thoughts about the Super Bowl as well. Shout out to all of our members. You guys are absolutely incredible. If you want to become a part of the Arrowhead Addict community, check out the link in the description. We've got a great uh, members-only Discord. Was going That thing was lit up during the Super Bowl. Um, it was absolutely crazy. So um, we'd love to meet some of you and get to know you a little bit better. Of course, we got the draft coming up in Kansas City. I saw a question about that. Um, I'm going. I'm going to be out there. Uh, I don't know exactly what the what the deal is or if we're going to have a show or something, but we can maybe do a meetup, something like that. Sterling's obviously in town, so we're going to get that figured out uh, here in the next couple of weeks. Um, for Emma, any thoughts? Super Bowl ch- champions, baby. That's it. That's literally the only thought I've had for about four days. Yeah. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, so go watch the mic'd up. Uh, you probably can find it on Twitter. I'm imagining it's been tweeted out. Is that the case, Matt? It has by the NFL Films or NFL, and then uh, it's also it's on YouTube now. How long is it? Like 40 minutes? 45 minutes? It's usually like 45 minutes. Yeah. Typically. It's going to be a good watch. So uh, it's one of my favorite things to, to, to watch after. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, th- thanks to producer Richard for, for keeping us on track here. For Matt Verderam, my name is Patrick Allen. We will see you next week uh, with our regular slate of shows. But until then, as always, go Chiefs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.